This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to a super special episode of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, as you're aware, it is the summertime, there's no news, there's nothing happening and we thought what a great opportunity to get some former players in to chat about Lincoln City, about their career at Sinsel Bank and beyond. Uh, and we've got a great one for you to start with. Last year, when we did our one best 100 players of a generation, you voted him in the top 50, made 114 appearances for Lincoln, scoring 32 goals. 29 of those were in the Football League. All reports say he signed for a fee of £30,000. And when he left, the reported fee was half a million. Thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Gavin Gordon. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Great intro, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, no worries, no worries at all. I come from a, a, a generation where that kind of before the Keith Alexander era, I think, often gets not forgotten about, but but people kind of go, "Oh, Keith, it was a great season," and 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 all that sort of thing. But actually, we had a really, really good squad. I think for a couple of years before that, or the nucleus of a good squad, of which you were a key part. Um, so you know, a worthy introduction. Oh no, thank you. I'd say with, with especially with the like say the um, making the hundred best players is a bit, a bit shocking to me because I'm sort of like that. I I don't see my because I've only had a bit of a short career, I believe, with Lincoln. Um, I'm still surprised that people still actually do remember me, and then when I do have talks or when I do speak that people are actually interested in what I want to talk about so now it's it's pleasing so but thank you yeah no full city at first um so I think you were uh, born in Manchester but, but kind of came through the ranks at Hull City and were their second youngest player ever to play for Hull is that correct yeah um like I say I went to Hull um I was at schoolboys in Man City and um obviously I don't think I was getting taken on um up to their um, youth trainee system um so they uh, said that probably go for a trial with Hull um so I went for a trial I didn't know where Hull was to be honest um so I thought I'd go down have a go have a see um yeah I played in the trial game and I think I went in for a challenge with the keeper and from then on uh, I think the manager was watching at the time went right we'll have him 
<laughs> so um, yeah, I managed to get a youth trainee contract from there, and yeah, managed to do one year of it and went straight to the first team. And that's, I mean, that must be quite a journey. Any pressure on a young player when you come through at such a young age? Well, it was because um, it was moving home. Um, so you had, you had to go and stay in digs. Um, so that's the first time I've been away from home um, into a, a totally different city, so different atmosphere, different people around. Because um, main, mainly my family's Caribbean family and background, and that's all I've, I've known. And then I've gone into um, digs with a, a white family um, with the sorts of different cultures and everything. So, but no, it was good. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, it was nice to get out and live really and start seeing the world and um, seeing how I could progress in this football game. Because there was some, I mean, I look back at the, the whole squad at the time and when you broke through, I mean, there was a, a young Roy Carroll, I think, in goal before he went to Man United. A player that stood out for me there was was Dwayne Derby as well, who I, I seem to recall is quite a good player. I mean, uh, although it's not a, a hall that was in the Premier League, they, they were kind of widely regarded as, as quite a good team at that point as well. Yeah, because when we joined them, they were in, what is it, League One now, so League Two then. Um, so we're all, they were already up a league and... Um, yeah, there were a bit of problems because it was money problems was the main issue. Um, but when I got there, you have the, um, Dean Windass, um, he was there. So um, he was the main main goal. He was the main person where everything revolved around at the club. Um, so um, it was good to get involved in that. And then when I actually did manage to get in just before the end of the season, um, I think they brought Dwayne Derby in for that. And then me and him sort of made up a partnership and from then on from the new season and then yeah it went from there and unfortunately injuries took over and stuff like that but yeah no it was a good good setup yeah, good setup yeah. and um what was what was Dean Windass like when I mean, he comes across as a bit of a, a bit of a nutcase yeah, on the pitch he's fine he's, he's great he's, he's got all the ball skills and everything and then I'd say yeah you, you, you <laughs> he's a bit him and Linton Brown if I remember rightly you just stay away from both of them, especially on the coach, because anything could have happened. Things get caught or deep heat anywhere, or yeah, there's lots of crazy things what them two used to get up to and and do. So yeah, you sort of try you very much the character of the dressing room. You just don't really get that, I don't think, in the modern game as much now, do you? The the kind of the pranksters and that sort of thing. But some of the things what they used to do, you probably wouldn't want to do it now because they'd probably get arrested or something like that. But um, yeah, you you do want individual and you want characters like that because um, I think it breaks it up. And I think nowadays everything's very structured and everything's very robotic, especially how the kids are taught now and everything. So they have to go this way, that way, come out of the side and this. So you want the individual players in the pitch. You want that someone who can spark and get the, the crowd up. Um, which I, I think we're sort of losing a bit. Hopefully things will change and more of them will come back. But um, yeah, it seems to be driven out the game now. I think there's still a big respect for characters as well, isn't there? I mean, and, and probably more so now from fans um, to players who are not at their club. And, and you look at kind of um, Akin Fenmer at the weekend and you look at Kevin Ellison's another one as well that other fans look at and kind of go, actually, I'd like somebody like that at our club, somebody who's just got that kind of little spark to, to get things going a little bit. Yeah, because as soon as that someone like that comes off the bench or is in the side, you know he's the, the focal point and people can gravitate to that and they go, yeah, well, at least we've got someone who is actually producing. It looks different, plays differently than everyone. No one else has got that. So it's hard to, to sometimes mark them or play against them because you don't know what they're going to do. Just like when, like say, with the League of Fortune West who I played against, 
people saw him big and long and gangly and everything, but he'll do something on the pitch and you go, wow, how did that come about? Because sometimes he didn't know it in a way, in a good way. So, yeah, no, and that's what football's about. You you want the different characters, you want that. And yeah, it's, hopefully you can get a few more in the game. Yeah, Leo Fortune West, someone I think I want to come on to in a little while because he's a player that's always fascinated me. Um, but just kind of from a little bit more from your time, I thought that was at the old uh, Booth Free Park, I would imagine. What was that like to play at? Yeah, like I say, I, for the, the ground was very tired and needed updating and you could tell that it, they needed to move. But the pitch was literally like a bowling green, um, probably how Lincoln's is now. Um, it was sort of like that then. Everything around it was poor, but the pitch was was great to play on. Um, so coming up to that, coming into that, and getting to play on something like that for the first time was was great and yeah, super. So Lincoln came knocking. Sort of, uh, who who was the manager at Hull, and and how did that move all come about? Yeah, it was um Terry Dol- um No, it was Terry Dolan first, and then he got sacked, and then it was Mark Haley came in. Um, so he wanted to come in as a, a player manager and. At first, I thought, "Oh, that'd be great. I can, you know, I can learn from him, and we can do things, and can show me." But no, I think he mainly wanted to take my place. So I did have a little few injuries as well. But yeah, it was. That's the first time you 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 knew that you weren't going to be in the side, and how politics work in football. And I think that's what opened my eyes greatly to how how things work. And I didn't really like that side of the game. Never, never have, never will. But. Um, yeah, it was. It wasn't a footballing decision. It was more of, yeah, I think you need to go. Just if we can cash in and get some money for you, and then we can get some more players. But yeah, um, just before Christmas, I think it was. I think we played Lincoln, and a, a few rumours were in the background when the, some of the players were up, up at the stands, and they were saying, "Oh, I, I think the manager's interested in you." And but the, what I got from it is when Lincoln came to Hull, the size of the players, and it literally looked like landed a giant sort of thing and one or two smaller ones but it was you can tell what sort of way he was going to play his football and then I think it was about a month later um, I think they put a, a bid in for me and I think it went to about 75 I think in the end from 75,000 and they bought me and um, only young at 18 so I thought chance of playing football because it was running out me end of my contract so I thought why not and went over had a chat and yeah signed so um, that, that's just thrown my research out the window for the 30,000. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that. But I'm sure it was fine, but like, it could be wrong, like I said. And, and that was John Beck, wasn't it? John Beck was the manager, I think, that signed you at the time. I mean, what you know, you, you talk about knowing how we, how we wanted to play his football. I mean, what, what was he like as a kind of a man and a manager? And what were your first impressions um, when you came to Lincoln? Yeah, let's say, but after, after the chat, he sounded great. He had his ideas. He, he, he sold the club well and what he had planned for the club and for the team. Um, no, I signed, I, it was great. And then when somebody buys you and wants you to be part of their team, you you, you already think that right, that's a that's already a win in a way. Um, but no, he, he got me in. He, he had some... He went right. You just need to work on this and that. So you have to come in every morning, work, do some um, head tennis with Craig Stones, because because um, he, he's my minder. He was my minder, and then um, so we did that. And some of the young lads, a bit of head tennis, just to work on the touch and um, ball skills. Um, got me on the creating straight away with Shane. Shane 
telling me this, take this and take this supplement, take that supplement. You need to build up yourself. And I think I ended up taking a bit too much. I took the wrong dosage. I think we did a running session um, one pre-season and um, I was, I, went, I kept feeling, I don't feel right. And the next minute, everything, all this red juice came flooding out of me, being sick everywhere. And we go, well, you've been out? I went, no. It's just... And then I told him what I was doing. And he went, oh, you're just taking too much of it. So, yeah, so that was the first introduction to getting, it was more than just football. It was all the things around it. So your mindset, your your physicality, your, your ball skills, you have to work on them. You've got to improve yourself that way, physically. Fit, yeah, fitness-wise and, and stuff like that. But outside of football, he was no, it was great. Um, John Becker, yeah, he, he talked. He, you could get on with him, but as soon as you walked through them doors, it was like he switched to say, right, and he could literally just walk straight past you in the tunnel and not say anything. Like, like you weren't there because once he walked through them doors, he sort of showed you that, no, this is, this is business, this is work, this is where we have to perform. Whereas when we're out, yes, I can be your friend, I can be this, that, never. But when I'm at work, no, it's this is a serious game. So that's interesting. I like the, the points you're making Eck, about um, about all the other stuff that he, he brought to the the club because John Beck's a marmite figure. I think at Lincoln City, you either loved him or you hated him. I loved him because he got us a, a promotion. I know he he didn't see it out. So I think it's interesting to see that actually from a player's perspective, there was there was a lot of positivity aside from you know in bringing Mark Hone on and then taking him off five minutes later and stuff like that. There was more to John Beck than than just the eccentricity. Yeah, and even as players, we he was a Mark Mike figure. Um, like I said, people got on with him a bit more out as soon as you left the uh, the building. You could have a conversation with him, <laughs> sort of thing. And then when he, like I say, some of the decisions making and his thoughts on the game. It, to be honest, he was about ahead of his time when it came to football philosophy, because he he worked in certain areas. He worked at um, finding the best way of scoring goals, so he, he thought get it in, keep it in the top third for a certain amount of period, get corners, get throw-ins, put the ball in the box. You are more likely to score goals because statistics said that that's what the case was, and he was right in a way. But it's not the best football to watch. So if you've got that, and it's not the best football to play in, if you're especially a midfielder in, in the team because the ball's always being hooked over your head or being flicked on. So you, you, if you're at the back or you're at the front, you're in the game a bit more than you are in that midfield. So that's why it was definitely not liked by the midfielders mainly. But yeah, it was, it was a bit, very much a Marmite figure. So as a target man, did you enjoy playing playing for John Beck? Um, probably not the football because um, I'm coming from Hull, I know they sort of seem to mix it up a bit more at Hull. Um, but with Lincoln coming straight into the side like that, it was a bit of an eye opener, and I knew straight away I was not fit enough to do what he wanted us to do. So because I didn't have the preseason, and you needed that preseason for for, for what how type of football Lincoln played. Um, so. It was good to play. It was good that he, he knew. He also knew how to get the team spirit in. Because if you didn't have that team spirit, you could not play the way he wanted us to do. So, it, that, I think that all that worked after leaving the club. You, you knew that more 
you saw that more when you look back and you go, you know what, that's the best team spirit as a bunch of players I've had out of all the clubs I played for. And you know, obviously you worked to the championship, but that was the best players. And that's why you gravitate. That's why I gravitated back here to live in the end. So, yeah, he, he was good in that way. So, like I say, he was ahead of his time. He knew about the team spirit, how to get the best out of the players he wants, get certain players, just like sort of what Clough did, get certain players for the right positions, match them. And it worked. It did work. It's, <clears throat> excuse me. It's interesting what you say about team spirit there as well. Because I mean, I remember uh, there was a joke on a quiz show. It was, um, have I got news? Not have I got news for you. The, they think it's all over. And they said, oh, you know, the Lincoln City players need locking in the dressing room half hour after the games for the safety of the fans getting out of the ground. And, you know, for, so for a young player, I take it you kind of going into that environment. It, it didn't feel that hostile. It felt more welcoming, I assume. Yeah. No, the one thing about, I thought was a bit strange is when you first because we used to get trains in the changing rooms before we go out to train wherever we managed to train because we didn't have a training pitch. But um, I remember um, that they had two separate changing rooms. So you had the normal home side um, changing room, what which was the majority of the players, but you had the away side where some the rest of them, because everyone couldn't fit into the one changing rooms, who where some of other players went. And I was... I walked in there and I walked into the normal changing rooms first. And then I remember John Whitney goes, yeah, I think you need to be in that room. I went, sorry? Yeah, you got, yeah that room. It's all right, you got in that room. So <laughs> I went back out, went into the away changing rooms and it was just like, so I think you only had probably like one white person in there. I think it was um, Steve Brown. And, and I thought, all right, what's going on here then? <laughs> and then... They went, oh, no, no, it's just, I can't deal with that music in that room. So we all come in here and we do different music in this room. So I went, all right, oh, that makes a bit more sense because <laughs> got people cutting hair and, and all sorts. I'm thinking, is this, is this we've gone back in time here or something? <laughs> yeah, no, it was all about music. So we, you sort of had your individuals, but when it came to like bringing the to people to, together for the games and and playing as a team, we did that. So way John Beck did it was great. It, it got everyone together. It got everyone fighting in the same direction. And it showed, especially that season, because you got promoted at the end of it. So. And I mean, there was some quality players in that dressing room as well. I know off air, I, I said one I wanted to talk about was was Kevin Austin. I mean, he's a, was a kind of a real favourite of mine from that era. What, what was he like just as a person and as a player? Um, it was... It was a quiet man to speak to when you talk to him. What you see, it's such a big, he was big big and strong, um, Kev. But when you spoke to him, it was so quiet and you literally had to struggle to hear what he had to say. But yeah, he was, he couldn't do it. He was special. He was so kind hearted. He'll, uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, it was sad to hear the news from what happened to him and everything in yes yeah, not so bad um but yeah he, he was so kind-hearted and that he's for for someone that's so physically so big and and the ball playing and his strength and the way he played on the pitch he looked so imposing and then but when you when you spoke to him afterwards and everything he was so kind-hearted he's so wouldn't get on with everybody um yeah he was he was a top man top man and anyone else kind of stand out from that team or, or was it really just a, a case of being a, a great full set of lads? But yeah, literally, because you had loads of people from different backgrounds. Um, uh, 
So you've got your Steve Holmes, was great Grant Brown, um, John Whitney. John, yeah, he was he was he was the Dean Windass of um Lincoln, to be honest. He was you stayed away from him if you if you wanted you, your trousers not cut or if you didn't want boot polish put somewhere or deep heat in your boxer shorts, stay away from him. <laughs> so but um yeah, no, so you got Terry, you've got um Lee Thorpe who we played with in the end and yeah, there was some very good yeah, Colin our side. And that was a good group of good group of lads, and he picked well. Let's say with your dean, because I remember playing against Lincoln when I played for Hull, and um, Dean Walling, yeah, he used to put like Vaseline on his eyebrows above his eyebrows, and that makes him look intimidating and look angry, and that's the first thing you know. And then you look at Kev as well, and then you see Steve in the middle of it, Steve, and you're thinking, right, what am I playing against here? And and that's the sort of thing. So you sort of beat teams before you even come out because of the way they've done it and the way they've looked. So that was cool. Do you remember your first Lincoln goal? Yeah, coming on, coming on us, I think, yeah, at home, wasn't it? And the, I think John Whitney crossed one from the left-hand side and, yeah, so managed to get that head onto it and plop it into the bottom left or the top left corner, I think. So, so yeah, no, I don't I remember the side I played, to be honest. I'm, I'm not good with the teams I played. I just remember I used to get the time, turn up, and then play. So, first, it was Macclesfield, apparently, was the first yeah. home goal. Yeah, yeah beat, scored away at Colchester as well. I remember that one because I think it took us at the top of the league or joint top at that stage. So, I remember that one because that was literally a tap in. I was literally stood on the line and I thought it was offside, but he didn't give it. So, I had to take that. <laughs> so, I remember, definitely remember that one. Yeah. So it must have been a bit of a shock then with kind of all that team spirit when when John Beck left a couple of months before the end of the season. Yeah, well, um, I think that time it was, we sort of dipped a little bit because we were always up there, weren't we? So, But we dipped in a bit of form and I think team started to sort of suss us out. Um, so when he, he, he did leave and Phil and um, Shane took over, they actually said, take a touch in the field, take a touch, then clip it over. And I think that little change there managed to get us promoted because from that point on, we literally, teams didn't know what we did. We go, oh, what are you doing? They're playing in midfield. They never told us that. So all the scouts before said they're just going to turn them. And now we're playing in midfield. So then it brings them up and then they turn them over. And probably, cause I think I got injured and then didn't get back into the side. So maybe me not being in the side helped as well. <laughs> and they still seem to but, but Colin and, um, and Lee Thorpe and, the rest of them, yeah, we created a good little squad there and, yeah, great one. So, obviously, then, celebrate promotion. Was that the first promotion of your career? What was that, uh, what was that like? Yeah, no, it was great. It was, it was good. It, the tour bus through town and going into the, I think it was the Stone Bows, it, and meeting everyone in there and, yeah, some sore heads in the morning. But, yeah, no, it was very good. And when the whole city comes out like that, it's, it's a good place to be and, well supported club and that showed how well supported it was because usually the average attendance were the biggest but when you actually paying well and and enjoy that showed me what the potential of the, the the crowd we get at Lincoln and it showed and towards the end of that season was one of the game actually I wanted to, I don't think you were there I don't know if you'd have traveled but the battle of Moss Rose at Macclesfield oh I traveled kind of... 
yeah, I travelled. I was in the um, stands for that one, yeah. Do you remember, remember much about it? I do. Well, because I watched it back as well, and everyone had to watch it back, especially the people involved. But, um, yeah, I remember the Barry <laughs> starting it off and and then, say, the push and then the kick and then I think Kev's trying to mus- mus- muscle everyone out the way and then I think Barney sneaks around the back and does a little thing and Lee Thorpe comes in with his scissor kick and, yeah. It was a bit. It was a bit crazy. That's what I thought. I thought, right, okay, this in a way shows you the team spirit because if something happens, everyone's getting involved. Not matter if it's right or wrong, everyone's getting involved to try and stop it or calm it down. But yeah, there was a lot of people wincing when they had to watch that back and and some of the fines what people got after it probably weren't happy with either. So obviously they went up into the third tier, Division Two at the time. Uh, with Shane Wesley as manager, was it was it kind of a different feel and flavour going into that season? I think we talked off air about a few things that that kind of changed. Yeah, I think the big change was um, you had the core group what got you up promoted, and then obviously because they've gone up to a, le- a different league, they decided to bring in a lot more players or different players, um, and I think that's what um, it's messed up in a way the actual. Um, I think it's just not, not the actual players, the, the team spirit, but it weren't the actual players themselves. It was the way the, it was brought in. I think John Beck had a better way of of, of doing it, whereas it, it, it didn't feel right. And plus, if you don't start well, um, if you don't hit the ground running, things get hard. And, and that's what ended up being. It ended up being a, yeah, a tough yeah six months, wasn't it, really? Um, struggle to get anything, really. And... And that's what happened. And then what was it? Um, Shane got sacked, didn't he? Uh, he did. And the chairman decided to take, but took it in his own hands and take charge. How did that go down with the squad at the time? Well, because I was still young, and um, at that time I wasn't really getting in the side. But he actually brought me straight back in the side, so I think it was a great decision from him. <laughs> the best decision he made. Um, but um, yeah, for me, you can see tactical wise, he, he he sort of had full stamp with him, but. You can see that you're looking for the manager to give you a bit more, um, which he obviously didn't. It, to be honest, it weren't a bad record. But someone had showed a, um, a stat from, I think he had was about 35% win win rate or something like that. He's only played um, not that many games either. I think it was 97 or something. I don't know what was wrong. But it weren't a bad stint for him. But you can tell you did needed an actual manager who knows the role of football. Um, rather than being a, a fan taking over, and that's pretty much what he was. He was a fan, fan of the club and the owner of the club, just making decision. But a great decision he made by bringing me back. Because <laughs> you did uh, looking at it. I mean, you only played I think once before um, October, and then came back into the side and, and and got a couple of goals. You actually got a goal in the game that I got I got sacked over. Um, we drew one all with Burnley. I was poacher, the mascot at the yeah. time, and. Uh, right. I called in sick on a Friday and a Monday and my company had sponsored the Burnley game um, and they saw me kind of there and, and well. So, yeah, oh. I mean, you scored in that game. Um, and obviously your first red card as well, which we discussed, which was um, a tough moment for you, I think. Yeah, well, it, it was a weird one because, like I say, I, I was a sub at the time and then watching the game, I think we are losing 1-0. Um, and I say brought me on and I got told to, when I tackled... You take the ball and you also take take everything with it, the player as well. And, uh, and that's what I did. Uh, the ball was on the sideline, running up, and I, I sort of won the ball. 
and the other leg came up and probably took him. So both feet ended up being off the off the, off the ground. So I think the referees was whatever angle he was at must have saw that it was a a two footy challenge or something like that. So he gave me a, a straight red card. So I was on the pitch about five minutes, I think, and yeah, ended up walking straight back off the pitch. And it was a bit of a. I don't think I actually got told off or anything like that because it, they, I think they thought it was a bad attack. So that's how I got brought up, put myself about. And and that's what my game was based on, just running running around, working hard and trying to score a few goals. I think. And we touched on Leo Fortune West earlier. Obviously, he came in at the beginning of the season and kind of was sold quite quickly. My understanding is that was kind of the onset of financial trouble at the club but we'll, that we'll, we'll come on to. Um, but you said that he was a player that kind of produced the unexpected. Um, I mean, from a from a striker's point of view, signing him and Tony Battersby in the summer was, what was it like, one, kind of training and playing with them, and two, looking at them and thinking, I've got to get them out of the team? Well, that, that, but that's football. So you sort of, you know, you understand that because, like I say, coming from Hull, um, you had um, the, the manager, player manager, Mark Haley coming in. So you, you come in, and you also had players coming through who wanted your position. If you're playing, people want your position. So no different for me at Lincoln. If you're not playing, you want to get in the side. So in a kind sort of way, you want you don't want your strike to score a goal, you, but you want the team to win. <laughs> so, but that's that you get that anywhere. So it, 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 competition. It's always good to have competition because you have to up your game to make sure that you are the player who plays. And at the start of the season, that's what they did. They, they put in the people who they bought. And that's what you're going to do. You, if you buy players, to, to, you buy them to play. And, and you hope that they're going to hit the ground running. Fortunately, it didn't quite happen that way um, for, whatever, for whatever reason. Um, so sometimes you fit in the side, sometimes you don't. Um, and with Leo, um, I got him great with Leo. Um, but yeah, as a player, it was a bit of he's sort of a marmite player for for people um, for people for fans. Um, like I say, um, Lincoln player and um, fans probably didn't really see the best any best of him. But if you look at the Cardiff fans, that they will love him because of what he produced for them. So and Rotherham maybe. So it's all about if you fit in the side or not, and if you hit the ground running. And obviously, the season kind of petered out. I think actually it was the bad start that held us back, if I remember. I think um, again, probably once once you came into the side, um, things kind of, they did pick up a little bit, didn't they? And, and we could have avoided it on the last day of the season. But from a morale point of view, what what does that do to the team spirit that obviously you'd had kind of 12 months before? Yeah, just like um, saying off, off, off air, let's say when you bring in the, the new players and then you sort of on, on different contracts and everything like that, and, and then you sort of forget about the the team or the people who brought you up into that league and you don't bring them with you, it creates a sort of division in, in the changing rooms and around the club. Um, and and if you don't start well and if you don't hit the ground running, um, things then build up. So by Christmas, you've had people falling out and you had, yeah, you can see the tension in the side and then you got the manager sacked and, and so you knew something was happening around the, you could before the actually second happened, you, you could tell something needed to change because the atmosphere was not good. Not how it was the season before and coming into it, it was definitely, it had definitely changed. And I think that was the problem reason why. You say there was some conflict between um, players in the squad, some arguing and that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, and that's what it is. Yeah, so when you're not playing well, and and then people are playing, and you'd think, oh, well, well, why are they playing if they're not even performing well? Sometimes you, it's the sort of politics in football where if you brought players in, you go right now, I'm going to play these players because you had like you feel Lee Phil Potts, you you had some very good players, Justin Walker and things. So you had some very good players in the side, um, and. You are going to play them. It's just sometimes if they're not, everything's not clicking for whatever reason. Um, I don't think they changed it quick enough. I'm not manager, so I'm, I'm not sure. So, but anyway, something didn't happen. Something went right, and then it, it told because obviously someone gets sacked, and then you've got in in house sort of fighting, bickering going on. So yeah, definitely something went right, and it, something needed to change. And uh, credit to John Williams, he he did. He changed it. Did that make it difficult going into the next season? Because obviously when you go down from, from the third tier, you're expected to bounce straight back up. Um, but obviously if things weren't quite right in the squad, do you, do you think that was one of the reasons that the next season we just settled? Well, I think that, and like you said, I think you touched on and said that we had a bit of a, um, financial issues as well. So I think they were just trying to balance the books a bit better. Because I think they the gambled on the fact that if they spent a little bit of money, that would be able to at least stay in that division. But I think because their plans of not staying in that division of, and coming straight back down, that then disrupted their financial plans and all sorts. So I think that's what they needed to do. They needed to sort of clear everything and take take a step back and then look, right, can we hold on? Can we get better financially safe um, to then push on again? Um, but... Um, by the time I left, I think just they were still definitely needed to get rid and and do that. So um, I don't think it quite worked at, that early, but they managed to do it in the end and survive and, and stay up. So that one the, the the first season that we went back down, I think you scored thirteen goals. I mean, from a personal point of view, that was probably where your your kind of Lincoln City career really began to take off, wasn't it? Um, do you, anything anything stick out? Any of those goals stick out or those performances? No, it was just the comf- the way I, I sort of felt confidently wise. Um, it was yeah, that's what it. I was more confident. I felt like I was going to be more part of the the playing side, the starting side. And when you have that sort of confidence in you, then you can just build on what um, attributes you've got or skills you've got to bring to what you what role you have, and you can bring it to the to the team. And um, yeah, I managed to. I moved in to manage by then. I think I moved in with um, Terry Lee and Colin because I think they had a house in Sleaford at the time. So I moved in with them at that time, and because literally we spent all the time with ourselves especially me and Lee, and we played in the sort of same position, we clicked. So every time we went on the pitch, we sort of knew exactly where each other was. Um, and, yeah, I think it was the um, Barnet game in that, that was, first. Yeah, yeah so I remember one of the, I think the first goal, I think I got through and I've I sort of played and I didn't quite hit it as well. So it was trickling over the line and I seen... Lee tried to sprint out and try and clip it in. I was like, leave it alone, leave it. <laughs> and then managed to go with the line before he got there. But yeah, so that sort of thing. So you can have bands so you know how the other one is thinking. And um, I think it showed, especially on the pitch, but when we did link up together, he helped me and I helped him. And I think we had a good partnership. So I'll come on to Lee Thorpe in a second, but the Barnet game, that was the one for, for those who were listening where we were 
three nil up in 25 minutes. I think a former Hall teammate of yours, Richard Peacock, scored one as well. He had moved over to Lincoln. I mean, kind of must have thought at three nil, here we go, we're home and hosed, and then to lose four three. I mean, that that must have been a hell of a blow. Yeah, but you sort of understand it when you're actually playing, and then the way the weather was, we had the wind and everything. So you you sort of I think we're playing up the hill. Oh, downhill. I think we're downhill first. So we, we, we that's where we got the goals. And then all of a sudden, the second half, when it switched, you could see it was hard to get out and it was a struggle. And then once they got their goal, and then you could see, just like with any game, really, once you, just like with Man City, because I'm a Man City supporter, just bring it up. Because um, <laughs> they were down and out, what, 70, 75 minutes? Once you get the one goal, you go on the run, the other team sort of drops slightly. And you can't stop it, it seems. So that's the sort of feeling what we had in Barnet. We, once they got the goal, you try things to to sort of keep your shape and everything, but we just couldn't get out. We couldn't get out at all. And yeah, it was a bit of the whole journey back was quiet, <laughs> quiet and normal. And you'd, yeah, that was the first time I've ever been in a game like that. And it's it's good character building, and it's, you, you take that into your bank and your experiences. But yeah. It was tough. That was a tough one. And I think you scored away at Hull as well, didn't you? Did you celebrate that goal? I wasn't going to. We weren't going to do anything. And I think I had a touch earlier on. And the, all the, especially the home side, all the crowd were booing me. I was like, <laughs> me wanted to leave. This, this sold me. I was like, OK, that's fine. And then, yeah, I managed to score in the in the old away end in front of them, which was, which was good. And like I said, because I love playing on that pitch anyway. Um, and I like the kit, what we had, we had that purple kit. I've got pictures somewhere in the house as well with, of me celebrating it. So, yeah, I, I like that goal. That was a, a very good goal. And, and I, I did celebrate, unfortunately, for Portland. But that was, if they want to give me a bit of banter, I'll give it a bit back as well. So. Two, two, right. That that purple, that lilac kit divides opinion as much as John Beck, I think. it's. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it, it, it went well with me. I like it because it was on a pitch. It was on the, um, a picture on my wall, like I said, when you're there. And the colours of the pit and the stadium and and on of the kit as well. I think it worked. It worked for me. I don't know. I didn't know if then. Why did you not like it? I, I, it not for me personally. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of debate on social media. Oh, I'm sure okay. you've seen about kits and uh, yeah, always, it wasn't yeah. a. Because did you play in the other one? The, the like I call it the Australia kit that was like yellow and gold quarters. Got, yeah, got the, it's like it was It was like three. That's it. That's the kit. I, I didn't like that one. Yellow and like, green, wasn't it? It was three quarter length sleeves as well, so it weren't proper sleeves. It was, yeah, not long sleeves. It weren't short either. It was like, what's the point in there? The whole thing just, I, it didn't, it didn't work for me that kit. Yeah, it's like wearing a wizard's cape, wasn't it? They kind of hung down to there, and yeah, yeah, I remember like, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a few that one. So going on to Lee Thorpe, I mean Lee Thorpe, in my eyes, is a Lincoln legend. Um, and he, he must have been a dream to play with because, I mean, he, he was hard as nails. He'd, he'd put his elbows in if he needed to, but he was a hard worker as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and he, he was a very good, technically good footballer as well. So just, he'll do some things in training and go, watch this, and then he'll ping one and he'll kill it. And it'll be, it'll, yeah, he's a very good all-round player. Um, he could get, get up there, can hold the ball up, he can flick on. So he, he's got a bit of a speed there as well. And, yeah. And think about um, we sort of complemented like say each other so it weren't just me being a target man you could also hit Lee as well and that 
I think helped, especially, well, I, I hope it helped the, the team. So they didn't just have to look after me, look at me for target or, or leads, look after the target man. They could hit either one and then we knew what we were going to do. And that's probably with mostly probably John Beck's training, but, and then the sort of the rest of the managers kept it on, but the sort of things we used to do in training was combination stuff. So if I was going to flick it on here, one was going to come across, the other one then gets around a back post. And uh, and it, when it comes to the to the game, it, it does second nature because you've done it in training constantly. And if you know each other as well, personally, you sort of know what they're going to do and what they're thinking. And it, it works very much. I thought he was probably, that he's the best player, um, strike partner. Wise, I played with probably definitely. That's pretty big going, considering you played with with Robert Earnshaw, I think. Just, well, just, just for like thinking wise and all round, but yeah, I'd say obviously Robert worked on his. He was finished. He was a finisher. Yeah, didn't just touch the ball goal sort of thing. But you could see the work what Robert did to to score them goals. It weren't just fluke. He also worked on it as well. So he worked on hitting it with his left foot or in certain positions, and then next minute he'll. Two weeks later on the pitch, you'll get in that position. You'll you'll see him just whip it in, and you go. Oh, but from a, someone such so young to go out and practice certain things and and want to be and want to score goals like he did, and yeah, no, he, he was great as well. But as an all rounder for me, I think Lee was slightly better. And at that point, um, John Reams has, has kind of. Um packed it in and gone back upstairs, hasn't he? And and Phil Stant, his manager, with George Foster as his assistant. What were what were they like? Yeah, no, they were good. Um, George was very much a hands-on coach where he then got went, we sort of went back to the sort of John Beck where putting people in positions. We did a bit more football, so it was more technical football work rather than just being in areas. So, um, but yeah, George had some great ideas and I think that's the one where he in, introduced um, working as a pair, as a strike force. So he improved me and Lee and, and whatever strikers we worked with. That's what he did. And that's what we, we got the benefit from. And I think he did a lot of work that way. And, and Phil just managed to just be the actual manager rather than trying to do the coaching as well. And, and that. So, no, I think that worked. And that's why... He, it helped me, obviously, because that's where I started my progression as a footballer at Lincoln um, because because of that. And I owe them a great deal. So, I mean, they kind of came in and it was sort of behind the scenes. You know, money was getting tight and and players were... Um, I, think I remember talking to Marco Sturgeapoulos ages ago and said, you know, he almost came in and played for free for a short while. And it, did you get a sense of that as players? I mean, you said you were training all over the place as well. Did did you kind of feel that actually the the club are hard up here, or, or was it not something that affected you? You sort of know that, um, and that's why you because you, you saw um, Leo gets old, um, so you you thought, well, he's not even been here that long, so. Obviously, if you get if we're getting any offers for anybody, I think they were looking at him because I think a few of them went to Hull. I think you've had um, John Whitney went to Hull. I think Colin went there, and um, Lee Fulpot ended up going there. So you've had a few people just moving just for the sake of right getting people off the wage bill. Um, and with me, it, um, like I said, I managed to I, I, when we played 
Cardiff, I think it was about two weeks, three weeks before the bid came, bid came in. Um, there was a rumour that they were looking for a striker, but they were looking at Tony Battersby. We were, we were, that was the rumour. And then we played the game and I'd say I managed to score two goals. And I, I do like playing night games and I like playing on good pitches. And it just happened to be that it was a night game and the Ninian part was carpet again. And the atmosphere was was good and I like playing in front of an atmosphere. So all that combined and scored them goals and enjoyed the game, even though it was a long journey, but enjoyed that game and, and everything and managed to put a bit of a thought in their head and yeah, managed to they cashed in basically and Lincoln got an offer and yeah, managed to take it. So um, I'll come back to some of the Lincoln players in a minute, but seeing as we're on the Cardiff move, I mean, one thing that struck me while I was doing the research was a news article that said Sam Haman wouldn't sign you if you committed to play for Jamaica because he only wanted players who were going to represent in Europe and therefore wouldn't be away. I mean, one, was that true? And two, with Spencer Pryor, he made him eat cooked sheep's testicles with lemon and parsley. Um, Did you have to do a bush hooker trial before you signed for Cardiff? Well, no, like I say, they, they, uh, Lincoln accepted uh, whatever offer and said, um, got me in and said, um, right, by the way, we've, we've accepted an offer, so you're going, but we don't want you to go, but you are going. So I went, right, so I went down for talks. And I think in that meeting, and we sat there in the meal, you had the chief executive and everything, and you had the um, player, the top of player supporters. So you had, like, say, the 617 top people there round the table, the first time I've ever seen everybody around this table I was like right okay and then he goes oh by the way Spencer signed the other day um yeah and he we made him eat sheep's testicles but unfortunately they have none for you today so we'll have to do that next time and I'm great with that so yeah so yes they did let Spencer eat that and he yes he did eat that <laughs> but I, I got managed to get away with it and it he did mention about um Jamaica but he didn't it wasn't the focal point of the discussion, um, so it weren't a big thing, um, so I didn't really notice that. And then it, um, the day after, I think he, he went, "Oh, come here, Gavin," and then he showed me the payback paper, and it's me and all of the Ferrari over, um, yeah, Jamaica, and they said that you have to do this, and then this, that, and the other. The actual talk we had didn't weren't that much of an issue, but he did then put something in the contract to sort of counteract that and, and everything. So, yes, he was very much... Because he, he, he was burnt by, I think it was Gail when he was at Wimbledon. Um, I think Gail said that he wasn't going to play for Jamaica or something like that. And he ended up did going for Jamaica. So he didn't want to um, get that, get burnt like that again. So he's, he, um, he he sort of tried to put something in there a bit. But um, if, if Jamaica wanted to come in for me and if it was fit enough to play then I'm sure that something could have happened financially to sort of sort it out, but it didn't happen anyway, so it weren't a thing in the end. But yes, it was very much, it was adamant that something had to be put in there that Jamaica wasn't going to be an issue. Was it a wrench to leave Lincoln? I mean, obviously you said you, you kind of gravitated back anyway, so did you feel the tug? I mean, you, you said that you had to, and, and actually, looking back, the money that we, we got for you at the time, probably help keep the club afloat until until administration. So did you feel that responsibility at all? Yes. Well, when I went to the meeting with Phil and the chairman, Mr. Reams, he, uh, well, no, so it was um, um, Bradley, 
Rob Bradley by then, wasn't it? Um, yeah, they sat me down and they said, yeah, this this needs to happen. Um, um, we need to we need to go. And I think I was in um, Phil Stant's book. I think there was a little bit part of that about what was happening with whatever funds they got. And Phil thought they were going to do this, that with it. And I don't think he, he got what he expected and stuff. So, yeah, it, you sort of know, you know you're going to have to go. And so you just move on, just like with Hull. You sort of get told you, you move on. But for the team, like like I said to you previously, for the team spirit and um, up my time there, I think that was the best time in football for me. Um, being at Lincoln, and that's what I did once I finished football. I sort of gravitated back this way because one of my, ch- my children are from here now. Well, I was born here. So I think it was the right move and the right decision from us to stay. So obviously when you moved to Cardiff, they were what would now be a championship side, probably Division 1, I think, at the time, or would be they be Division oh, 2? Yeah, same same league as um, Lincoln at the time when I moved. Okay. And then they got promoted that season. And then when um, Lincoln got to the playoffs first time with Keith, we, um, Cardiff, were at the playoffs the following day to go up to the championship. So um, that's why I managed to watch the actual game, first game, and fortunately lost that one, didn't you? Um, but that, that, the crowd there and seeing everybody um, come down and get to chat with everybody was, was good. And I felt good. And Mazza, seeing Mazza, because when Mazza first came to the, the club, he, he was very quiet, very shy. And you thought, Is this, he's going to be a footballer. But yeah, he grew to himself and became a, quite a legend at the club. So. Because actually, I made a note when you left, we'd got Mazza, we'd got Bimo, Paul Mayo, Pete again. I mean, the, the, the nucleus of that playoff side was slowly beginning to take shape, wasn't it? Did you kind of feel that the club was moving in the right direction, even though there was financial worries? Yeah, when they were actually, when I saw that, when I saw them in the playoffs, it was a totally different side to what an atmosphere to what I left it. Um, you could see that the, whatever they've done and whatever Keith did, has helped help that side, and you could see the growth. And then you got your Sam Yale come through, and and they got the pick the people Nat Brown from the conference and stuff like that. It's perfect, and the recruitment was the one. It's always I think it's a big part of the football. If you could recruit well, um, cheaply, and you can sell for a lot more money, and also keep the, the club moving forward, perfect. I think that is absolutely perfect, and. And that's what he did for the, what was it, about three or four years, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, for four. Was he four years on the spin? Two finals and two semi finals, and, and kind of revolutionised the club. So, but I mean, obviously, you went on to Cardiff and you were the first player to score five in a game against league opposition in 70, almost 70 years, I think. Um, what do you remember from, from that night? Yeah, again, it was a, again, a night game and. It weren't the biggest of crowds because it was um, the LDV Cup, was it? Yeah, it was. And I think Rushton were doing well at the time. I think they were at top on the top of the league around there. And yeah, I think one of the players were was getting scouted by some top clubs, and unfortunately, it, it came up against me in a good day. And everything I touch seems to hit the back of the net. I think the first one was like a, a one on one. I managed to kick it through the keeper's legs, and then the second one was a sort of header. And then that's it. And everything I hit, I think I only had about another four shots and pretty much everything I hit went in. So, yeah, it went. It was a very good day. And them sort of still got the ball downstairs and he's flating up again and um, pumping up again. 
<clears throat> so at one stage, I think the kids were playing with it, and so some of the signatures have faded a little bit, but never mind. But it, it is good memories to have, and you never forget them. And it's good to, yeah, it's good to talk about it now and then and bring it out and tell the kids that I weren't that too bad of a player when I actually played. Well, look, so if I remember correctly, Cardiff played two up top at the time, Robert Earnshaw, and and I think you were trying to displace Peter Thorne, who was was hell of a player as well. So I mean, it's quite illustrious company that you were you were fighting with for a while there. Yeah, like I say, because before I got there, is um, they bought Leo Fortune West, so Leo was playing as well. So you had Leo, and then they bought me, so I started playing a bit, and then they bought Peter, and then they bought Andy Campbell, who was just scored against Man United for Middlesbrough in the Premiership. So you're like, right, now this is competition. But you also had Jason Bowen there and um, um, Brassy as well. and So, yeah, Kurt Nogan used to be at Preston. So you, you you literally had a side full of players, um, Kevin Nugent of Legends. So you're like, right, this is what you need. You need to step up your game and and play. And that's that's what shows you about competition. So like say when you talked about before with um, Bats or Leo when he was at Lincoln or Thorpe or Colin, that's what you do. That's what football's about. It 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 doesn't keep still. It, it, it has to keep improving for you to keep improving as well you have to step up you have to improve your game to stay in the sides and, and that's what you have to do and because uh, by the looks of things you, you struggle a little bit with injuries as well at Cardiff which kind of set you back is that right yeah like it started off at Hull a little bit and um, that's my first in my hamstring and then I did a few times at Lincoln and then when as soon as I went down to Cardiff it it seemed to just flare up where, so I think it, it sort of stemmed from my back. I tried to work out exactly where it came from and that. So towards the end, we sort of worked on it. But I think by then, there were so many injuries in that. It sort of, not just the injuries, I think it, the confidence. So you, I go out to play a game of football. I'm just thinking, can I get through this game? Rather than thinking, right, OK, now forget the ball here. I'm going to try and do this, that and other. No, I was just trying to think to get through the game so that was a big part of me looking back because I finished early in my career when you look back at it you go well what happened and I think that was the major part so working on your your confidence and your mental health especially is a big part of it and I think they do that a bit more now which is a good thing because it's a big part of the game. As you say, I mean, that, kind of skipping over, I know, like Notts County and Oxford, and, and I'll come back to, to one thing in a moment. But, I mean, was was that tough for you? Because obviously you touched there on mental health. You, you kind of finish young, you come out of the game, that's the end of it. I mean, how do you kind of, how do you go about dealing with that? Well, that's, that's to be me because I'm, I'm a overthinker as well. So I like to get things straight in my head before I say anything to anybody. Um, and unfortunately, I because it, it was all right for the first sort of year because it was I felt tired and I thought, right, I just need to, Get to scout football. I need to, to start again, and then after that year, it was like, wow, okay, I, I don't have football. So now, what do I do? And then the credit crunch hit and everything. So, and then I had some bereavements in my my life and everything. So that all got on top of me, and I I did sort of get a bit dark for a bit. Um, but I managed to talk. I found myself how to get taught myself how to get out of it, and also ask for help as well. And I think for me rather than taking any um, anything or um, pills or anything like that. Talking was my, my issue. I never really talked. Now I can talk a bit more and I come a bit more over, more confident, whereas I'm, lit, I'm naturally shy. 
but I've learned to speak and I've learned to um, talk in different situations. So it sort of helps and it really did help me. And it feels like you're kind of putting some of that experience to good use. Obviously, um, chair of the former Players Association, I believe. Is is that kind of that experience something that some of the newer players that join that kind of lean upon at all? Or do you think you'll find that experience coming through to help people coming out of the game? Um, well, that's what we want to uh, gauge. In, uh, but that's what we want to do for players, former players who ever played for Lincoln or uh, anything like that. Um we want to be a part of um, if they need any help to come to us and we can maybe guide them into certain situations or certain places and maybe be able to help them. Um, it's still quite new as an association. So we'll, um, I've got some ideas of trying to build up whatever help we can give to people. So whatever route that takes, um, whether that's through sponsorship, turn to a charity, whatever, whatever the situation is, whatever way we can help um, help any former players I think the communication between us and the, the the FPA and the club could be probably better but as in catching players who leave and saying oh this is what we do and this is what we're trying to achieve and this is what we're trying to get to we're just, we're just basically it's a community-based association where we're just trying to help um, anything in the local community as well so if people have got um, any charitable games that want us to be a part of or presentations or just to highlight anything what they're doing and um, we can be a part of as well so we're just trying to mix it up about what we actually bring um to the local community as well and how did you get involved with the former players association it was just about um being asked um i think it was when it first started i think it was roger bates um chris alkington and then they asked trevor to be part of it and then he came chair and then I was asked to come on in, in the committee because I think someone else left and so they needed a certain amount of people to be in the committee so I did that for about three or four years and then the, um, I got voted um, vice chairman and then when Trevor um, moved on then yeah I naturally took over um, and everyone said that were happy for me to take over and that's what we did. And uh, through that, I see you scored a goal again at Sinsel Bank uh, last weekend or the weekend before, didn't you? Was it you putting one in the net? It's always natural. I think I scored in all the games we've played so far as um, fun players. I'd just like to put that one out there. But um, <laughs> yes, I've, I remember looking at the first one we played against the British Health Foundation and the weights changed a little bit from to the last one, so which is in, in a good way. <laughs> but yeah, I managed to um, uh, put one in and come off injured again, but I managed to put one in first. Very good finish as well. You can see you've uh, you kind of you've still got it there. So, um, and, yeah. <laughs> so I assume you. I mean, you must watch most Lincoln games. I know you're down at the the ground quite a bit, um, and it's it's quite turbulent times for the club at the moment with the new manager. What are your what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's come across well. Um, I remember looking at the some of the old FA Cup um, clips and at Liverpool when they're in that suit, the cream suit thing, and he was in that, that squad at the time. So. He's had some good. He's played at the probably highest level, um, so he's got um, the the know-how and the experience to deal with um, what's going to come with that. Um, he's done some coached under some good clubs and some good coaches, so hopefully all that experience and what plans he has, um, he has come as a as the head coach, isn't he? He's not the 
so as long as they've got a good um, um, com communication between themselves and they get the right players for the both of them and who they both can work with, then yeah, hopefully that will be good times for Lincoln and and then they can push on and utilize the academy what they've got because they've got a very good academy there and hopefully some of them players will step up and um, produce some goods for the club. Yeah, because obviously we've brought some some teenagers through and that sort of thing. Is there any that you've you've kind of seen playing, even if it's just for the first team? Any that's caught your eye? No, no, just all anybody who's played really. It's just because um, you don't really know until the actual play the games. Just like with me when I started, until you actually play the games, I didn't think I played that well in the youth team. But when I got into the first team, I played a lot better. So it's whatever the manager sees in in that player. So as long as they're all working hard and whatever ability they've got and if it's good enough it'll come through and um, I wish them all the best because that's that's all it is it's about working hard trusting your ability and keep being willing to listen um, yeah and enjoy it and uh, just to, to go back a little bit um, obviously you've seen Anthony Scully play you played with his dad at Notts County um, who's better? Finishing wise <laughs> I would say Anthony but um, dribbling and and the, the balls what um, Tony used to put in there for me and and he could play off both feet he was literally both feet he could do any so that wise I would say Tony so finishing I would say Anthony and then actually crossing and wing play I would say uh, Tony yeah that's perfect sitting on the bench for the chair of the former player. it is it literally is that it is because <laughs> when I first when I, it didn't click with me at first and then I saw Tony in the um, 200 club bit upstairs and I was like well, what are you doing here and then he goes well, I'm my son I went oh he's playing is he I went yeah it's ah. <laughs> didn't even notice I didn't even know and then yes so yeah it was definitely good well I had um, Anthony Scully used to live in the house at the back of me at Camborne in Cambridge and right. uh, apparently he used to kick his ball over um, and I never knew it was his I wish I'd kept it now and got it signed because it would have been a collector's piece yeah um, yeah but his finishing wasn't that shit up when he was 14 or whatever, I'll be honest. It just shows that practice makes perfect, doesn't it, really? So, <laughs> it, does it does. Well, look, um, we've we, we've done an hour. I've taken up plenty of your time. It's been an absolute pleasure um, to have you on. Uh, thank you very, very much. Um, and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Yeah, I'm around. So anytime you want to do something like this now, it's been fun. Um, like I say, just getting used to all these talks and interviews and stuff but I really enjoyed it and I hope everyone did as well yeah I'm sure they will I'm sure they will so wonderful thank you very much no you're welcome The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. 
and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.